Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant, Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a home church, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship. For more information about our Sunday service or to find out how we can best help you, head to our website at churchunlimited.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message from Sunday service. Well, this morning, I'm going to continue our Unlimited series. Last week, we kicked things off by looking at creation as Genesis chapter 1 describes the unlimited nature of who God is. And there were some big words that we used last week. We said that God is an omnivore. No, we didn't say that one. That was... God is, God is omnipresent. So just checking to see if some of you are listening. To, God is clearly a carnivore. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, that's really important to your theology to believe that God is a carnivore. Uh, no, we said that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, all at the same time. He's outside of time and space. And God was, he is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. So God is outside of any created structure that you and I uh, could comprehend, which is really hard because we're created beings inside of created structure. To understand the uh, omnipresence of God is, is really hard to get your mind around. Then we talked about God is, is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. That God, when he speaks, he creates, he releases things into being with his words. And I love that new song that we just did today. I take you at your word because your word is creating new things in my life. And I hold on to your word, Lord. Your word is so much more important than my word. My word needs, I need to shut up a little bit more. And I need to get into his omnipotence. Then we talked about God's omniscience, that he is all-knowing. He knows everything. Because he is the beginning and the end, he knows everything and everything in between. And he knows the thoughts that I think before I think them. And he knows the words that I speak before I even speak them. That should sink in for a moment and convict you. Um, but God is omniscient. And then we talked about the fact that God is omnibenevolent. That he is all love. In fact, 1 John 4 tells us that God is love. God doesn't have love. He doesn't love as an action word. He is love. Love you know, uh, the DC talk song. Do you remember the old DC talk song, Love is a Verb? Any, any old Christians out there? Johnny, you know what I'm on about. And if you've grown up in church in the 80s, there was this terrible music group called DC Talk. But in the 80s, we loved them because we didn't have any of the other stuff that we have today. And uh, DC Talk wrote this song called Love is a Verb. I'm here to tell you love is not a verb. They're wrong. Love is a noun. Love is God. And, and God is love. And, and true love is the nature of who God is. And so it's so important that we, that we understand the unlimited nature of who God is. Because that's the one that we put our faith in. That's the one that, that I trust. And if you believe in some limited God, some God that was down in hell wrestling the devil for three days. And just barely made it up. Man. Come on. God's, you know, in Australian culture, we love the underdog. 
We love underdogs, right? We love the battlers. I'm here to tell you, Christianity is not a religion for battlers and for underdogs. Because Jesus ain't a battler. He is the overcomer. He is the victor. He is the one who, who rises above every other thing. And it's so important that we understand that he's not just waking up having a go like us. He is the victor. And we put our faith in him and we rise to his level. And that's where I want to go today is that, that we are also created to be unlimited. That God is unlimited and we were created to be like him. The first half of Genesis chapter 1 tells us about God's unlimited nature. And then we get to verse 26 and it tells us about us. I want to pick it up in Genesis 1.26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And all the fishermen said, Can I tell you right now, if you go fishing and you don't catch anything, you're not using your God-given authority. You didn't go with enough faith, mate. You put the boat in the water, you got all the worms, you got all the pilchards, you got it all sorted out, you got your line in the water, and you didn't pray. You didn't believe in the name of Jesus, I'll have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the magpies and the, in the, over the birds of the air. If you didn't get the joke, uh, we had a pesky magpie flying around the foyer this morning. And over the cattle, yes, I have plenty of dominion over cattle. I love it. And uh, praise the Lord for that. And dominion over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. If you're scared of snakes, get some faith. So God created man in his own image. Interesting. God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fulfill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on earth. When God speaks, he creates everything. And then he creates us, not according to the everything. He creates us different than everything else. He creates us according to his likeness. You and I were created to be in his likeness. And so Genesis is telling us that according to the original design, God is first and foremost unlimited, and you and I were created in his likeness to also be unlimited in the earth, that we would be fruitful, that we would subdue the earth and have dominion over it. Now, dominion doesn't mean to dominate. Dominion means to steward. We're not here just to use up the planet. We're, we're here to steward God's gift to us in the planet. I'm not a full-blown greenie, but I think we have a responsibility to, to take care of and steward that which God has given us. God is unlimited, and you were created to be like him. You notice later on, we see that God brings Adam, and, and together, God uses Adam's voice to name the animals. 
God is showing Adam how to create through speaking. Like he has that power. God spoke, let there be light, and there was light before the sun, the moon, and the stars. And now God brings Adam alongside of him and says, hey, you start naming the animals. You use your words and your power and your unlimited nature that you've drawn from my likeness. You use that to start to create the world that you're going to live in. Well, man, I'll tell you right now, we create the worlds that we live in. Your words frame your life. The way that you speak shapes your whole world. And, and it's so important that we learn how to, uh, uh, we, we still have that creative power that we've always had. You know, it's with your words that you got your, your wife to say yes. And it's with your words that you sparked a really good fight. It's also with your words that she left. It's with your words that you got the job and it's with your words that you lost the job. You're creative. You're creative. And we've got to be careful with what we're creating with our words. In John 3.34, Jesus tells us this. He says, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure or by limit. God gives us the Holy Spirit unlimited. You and I are carriers of the Holy Spirit. I ask people all the time, which of the gifts of the Spirit do you have? And so people say, oh, maybe I can prophesy. Oh, maybe, maybe every now and again I'll have a gift of faith. Oh, yeah, I've got one or two of the nine gifts. I go, no. You've got the whole Holy Spirit. He didn't just give you the little finger of the Holy Spirit. He's given you His whole Holy Spirit without measure. Now, you don't have a clue how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you have to understand that the power of God actually lives inside of us, and you need to free your mind, Neo. If you haven't seen The Matrix, forget that silly illustration. And so we come to this verse with Paul, and Paul's trying to get these rockhead Philippians to understand this concept. And we come to Philippians 4.13 and he says, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. If Christ is unlimited, Christ isn't the battler, he's the overcomer. And if Christ is my source or my strength, guess what? I can do everything that God puts in front of me because I too am also created to be unlimited. We see in John 10.10, it says the enemy, the devil, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus says, but I have come that you would have life and life abundant. What's the catch there? Limitations, stealing, killing, and destroying come from Satan. And overflowing, unlimited, abundant is the nature of God. So you have to choose which one do I want to tap into? Do I want to allow all of my flesh and all of my fears to tap into the stealing, the killing, and destroying and live a really small, limited life? Or do I align myself with who God is and I take you at your word and allow your truth to become my truth 
and I step into the unlimited nature of who God really is. Looking at my life now at 44 years old, I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing today. When I first became a Christian, I was so limited. I was so small. I, I, I was so, so bound up in all my own self. You often hear me say things like, the biggest thing that's standing between you and the greater is you. If you could just get yourself out of the way, that would be awesome. Because it's our own selves that block us from stepping into the greater things. Now, some of you are like, all right, here we go again. Another G up type message. Another great TED talk. What do we do with this? Because the reality is when we get in front of the mirror, we don't see unlimited. And when we look at our spouse, we don't think unlimited. And we look at our kids, we don't think unlimited. We think limitations. There's limitations everywhere. Mate, why are you still like you? Why are you still the way you are? Why are you not further than you are? Why am I not further than I am? And I think it's because there are different things that we have to get rid of in our own lives that are actually blockages that keep us from stepping into the unlimited nature of God. And so the title of my message this morning is, you got to give up to go up. you got to give up to go up. Have you ever seen the picture of the little monkey who, who was outside of the cage, but saw a banana inside the cage? And he reaches his little monkey hand in and he grabs the banana, but he can't get the banana out of the cage. And therefore, he's not free. He's actually outside of the cage, but the banana is inside the cage. And he's holding on to the banana because he won't let it go. Well, this poor little monkey is trapped in a fake prison because he won't let go of whatever it was that was inside of that prison. Man, is that not just the perfect picture of how we live? Whatever you're holding on to will determine... How high or how far you can go. I tell our young people all the time, you want to wreck your life, just marry the wrong person. You'll put yourself in a prison that you never meant to be in. This is why I am unashamed about one man, one woman, equally yoked. Equally yoked. And some people say to me, equally yoked. Like, you know, do do they have to be, like, does that mean a Christian and a non-Christian can't be together? And I say, at a minimum. At a minimum, God's not talking about sheep and oxen. He's talking about oxen of the same equal yoke. So I knew that Paula was the one for me because she was not just a Christian, but she was called to what I was called to. If you want to go and put yourself in a very limited life, just go and marry somebody who's not going where you're going. You will ultimately attach yourself to that banana in the cage and lock yourself away. And so with our time remaining, I want to talk about some areas of our lives that we have to give up if we're going to go up. If you're going to go into the greater things that God has for you, you've got some stuff that you need to get out of the way. And the first one is you, your flesh. You need to get rid of your flesh. 
Paul gives us this banger in Romans 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Some of us in the room might be guilty of saying things like, oh yeah, Jesus died for it all. It's all right. We can, no worries. We can, we'll let that go. Yeah, that kind of attitude is a limited attitude. You're saying, no, I'm choosing my ways over your ways. And I'm telling you, you start to do that, you will shrink your life right down into a little itty-bitty life. Certainly not, says the word. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. You have to understand that when you come to Jesus, it's not about you adding Jesus into your life and sprinkling a little bit of Jesus on your life. Coming to Jesus looks like I am giving up my whole life to apprehend the fullness of the Christ life. The Christ life is unlimited. Hensley's life, good luck, mate. You're going nowhere fast. My flesh man is my biggest problem. Our flesh is our sinful nature. Have you noticed how the government keeps changing laws? Have you noticed this? We keep changing laws. Stuff that in the 1950s, We would have never legalized. We're now legalizing. Why? Because the laws of this nation were originally founded on God's principles. And they were in alignment with God's principles. Not perfect. And I'm not saying that that we were dead set a Christian nation at our foundation. But the laws were really in alignment with scripture and the Judeo-Christian ethic. The problem is we all have our sinful desires. And it's really quite bad if I have sinful desires, but the laws of the land tell me that I'm not allowed to act on them. And so you know what we should do? We should, instead of changing ourselves to God's ways, we change our, uh, uh, the laws to validate our sinful nature. And now, because I, I, you know, I don't want anyone to feel you know, like they, they've been ostracized, or I don't want anyone to feel bullied, or I don't want anyone to feel... Now, what we do is we actually create the laws in our nation to validate the sin of our flesh, which I think is crazy. And no wonder our country is in a major identity crisis. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it literally says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. So many of us, live with this fantasy idea that, well, deep down inside, I'm really just a good person that occasionally makes mistakes. I'm just a good person. Oh, yeah, I know I have my moments, but deep down inside, I'm a good person. Jeremiah is telling me that, no, mate, you're not deep down inside a good person. You're deep down inside desperately wicked 
and occasionally you have good moments. Because occasionally you reflect the nature of God. But at your deepest core, you're you, born into sin with a sin nature. And he invites us into his baptism. Now, modern baptism, and, and sometimes we can be guilty of it in our own church, is really just having a dunk in the pool. Come on, mate, it's romantic. Everybody's going to smile. Your photo will get taken. We'll give you a Bible and we'll pray for you. Come on, go get in the pool. But this passage in Romans 6 isn't talking about getting into the pool. This passage in Romans 6 is talking about being dead to your own fleshly self and coming alive in Christ Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, Jesus tells us, Whoever desires to save his life must lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, oh, he'll find it. Whoever wants to be unlimited needs to give up their life. But if you want to just live limited, just keep living according to your own ways and your own desires. You can only step into the God life if you're willing to give up your life. You can only step into his unlimited nature when you realize that you're limited and you need to decrease and give up your limited life. This is why for me, my life verse, I've got a lot of life verses, but for me, Galatians 2.20 will always be my life verse. It says, for I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That is Christianity. That is Christianity. Christianity is not, hey, come to my country club and enjoy the coffee and sing the sing-along songs. It's not, hey, have a little dip in the pool. It's not, hey, there's fun games on Friday night, teenagers. Let's play the games. Christianity is, will you die to yourself and your desires and all that to pursue Jesus? When you can do that, or the degree that you can do that determines how unlimited you're going to be. I find that so confronting. I hope you do too. Because I am, I am the biggest blockage. I stand in my own way. God has so much more for me. And Hensley is in the way. Lord, I need to get out of the way. I need to get out of the way. Here's the second thing that we got to give up. If I give up my flesh, well, I got to give up the mindsets associated to my, my, my flesh. Some of us have stinking thinking. You heard me say last week, don't believe everything you think. Some of us, we, we've allowed ourselves to believe everything we think. And that is exactly why you're living small. That's why you're living limited. You know, Gideon was crippled by insecurity and inferiority. And that is why he was hiding at a time when they were supposed to be at war 
advancing and taking territory. Gideon is hiding away because he's crippled with insecurity. I'm telling us, so many of us are, are extremely prideful. But our pride is not manifested in arrogance. It's manifested in inferiority. And because you think so little of yourself, God can't use you to be the greater thing that you're called to be used for. When God created, you have to understand, I wasn't called to greatness and you were all called to sit at my feet. That's such a stupid way. We built a man of God complex in church that I think is unbiblical. And I appreciate that we need to honor some of our leaders, but I'm actually here to equip you for the call of God on your life. We've built a church over the years that, that all the plebs, all the parishioners exist to do the pastor's bidding. That is unbiblical. Jesus came to wash the feet of his disciples and serve them so that they could go and do greater things than he did. So Sunday church is not about you coming and listening to the oracle, the man of God, sprout off some ideas. Sunday church is about you coming and being equipped and challenged and empowered so that you can run out and live the unlimited life that God's called you to live. I don't know where that came from. That wasn't in the notes. The Israelites are crippled by fear. They have a fear mindset. What do they do? They send 12 spies into the land. Oh, yeah, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Two of them say, let's go. We're unlimited. God's with us. Ten of them go, oh, no. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We could never, ever apprehend the promises of God. Not with that mindset, you can't. The Israelites were so content in the wilderness. They didn't want to go in. Oh, it's too, it's too hard over there. We have to have... We have no, let's just stay here where it's safe. I was just talking with a bloke before church this morning, and he was telling me that, that he wants to change jobs, but he's scared that he's getting stuck. I think we get so content with ordinary. We get so content with limited that we never break through to reach unlimited. That God has more for us, but we're scared or we're content the disciples were deceived by arrogance. So maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I'm not that insecure. I'm not inferior. Maybe you wrestle the other side of it, which is arrogance, or you think that you're greater than everybody else. Well, Jesus is here and he tells us, you know, the disciples are in front of Jesus and they're arguing and they're saying, hey, Jesus, which of us is the greatest? As if you would have that kind of argument in front of Christ. Me and Keith before Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Keith, who's better, me or Keith? What a dumb conversation to have with the Lord. And the Lord says in response, guys, no, the greatest is he who serves others. The greatest is he who makes other people great. They had mindsets that they had to get rid of. Maybe you've got a workaholic mindset. I got to press forward. I got to do big hours. I got to produce. I got to provide for the family. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. I know so many guys who limit their lives by work. Chasing after things out of order with how God has. We do things backwards. 
I, I was talking to a uni student one time and I said, hey, I haven't seen you at church the last couple of weeks. Oh yeah, I've got a lot of exams on at uni and, and I've been studying and studying and studying. And I said, so you don't trust God enough that you could come to church and still get high marks on your, on your, on your assignments? So it's, it, was, it was study, 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 but we'll, we'll set God aside. That's just so backwards. Zechariah 4, 6 says, It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus rebukes Martha for being a workaholic. I'm telling you right now, if you work so much that you are literally slaves to your own businesses, slaves to the job. I, I grew up in Mackay, right? So in Mackay, there were so many miners and they would go and work these huge hours and then they would earn these huge wages and they would buy these huge houses and they would buy huge trucks or holding Commodores and they would buy all the toys and then they realize after 10 years that their life sucks because they're slaves to working in the mines but all their mortgage and their boat payment and their car payment are now forcing them to stay in jobs that they should have never ever been in. So what's the byproduct? They lose their family. They lose their spouse. They lose their children. I used to be a chaplain at Mackay North State High School and there was 30 boys that I would look after in a behavioral group, all the naughty boys. Of the 30 boys, 28 of them come from single parent families. Two of them had dads. The other 29 didn't have dads. Why? Because dad was off chasing some other thing. We've got to be careful that we don't get our mindsets mixed up. And I'm telling you, God is in the business of dealing with your mindsets. He's been working on my stinking thinking for years. And the more I allow him to clean out the junk in my brain so that I can start to think like he thinks, the more unlimited I become. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 7, Scripture says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Your level of thinking is the lid on your life. Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. One of my favorite passages in scripture is, is Prince Jonathan, who is supposed to go up against the Philistines, but it's only him and his armor bearer. And, and he says to his armor bearer, there are thousands of Philistines on the other side of this hill, but let's just go up against them. Perhaps the Lord is with us. Now, if I'm the armor bearer, I'm wanting to know that we have a little bit more going for us than a perhaps the Lord is with us. Jonathan had a mindset. If God is for me, who could be against me? And the armor bearer goes, sir, yes, sir. Let's go. And as they literally start to go up the mountain, the Philistines hear the sound of armies and they run. They run for their lives. When God is with you and you believe his unlimited Holy Spirit is on your life and you start going in faith into the greater thing that God has called you to do, perhaps the Lord is with you. 
It's amazing what you start to see unfold before your very eyes. In Romans 12, Paul tells us that we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. Come on, some of us have fixed mindsets. Fixed mindsets. We, we, have, it, we have it worked out a certain way in our mind. God is bigger than your little mind. God invites you to let go of your thinking and to take on his mind, the mind of Christ. You've got to give up some of your bad mindsets. Some of us have things running around in our minds that, that, that lie to us. I've, I've convinced now that the devil, I, I know the voice of the devil. You know what it sounds like? He, did you know that the devil has a quasi-American Australian accent? I've heard it so much. I've heard it so much. Sounds just like my voice. Running around in here with stupid thinking. God's trying to remove that stuff out of my life. Here's the third thing we need to give up is our disappointments. Far too often we don't step into the unlimited because we... We've been disappointed. And we have our eyes on the past. We have our eyes on failed things, moments that hurt us. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul gives us this. He says, not that I've already attained it or that I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that which Christ Jesus has already laid a hold of me. That's such a big deal right there. It's not all perfect. But, I, but I'm going to keep going. And I, I, I'm going I'm to lay a hold of that which Christ has already laid a hold of me. Brothers, I don't count myself as to apprehended. But the one thing I do is I forget those things which are behind. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you know that there's an upward call for your life? There's greater things in store for your life. You are supposed to, by faith and by the confession of your mouth, supposed to apprehend the greater things that God has for you. But you got to let go of the small things and the hurtful things and the disappointments of the past. God had greater plans for Lot and his family in Scripture to get them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God tells them, hey, you guys flee this city. Do not look back. And so they gather all their possessions and they start, God's got more for us. What is it? I don't know, but he's got more for us. We're going to go into the more. God's got more for us. Don't look back. And we know in that scripture that tells us that Lot's wife looked back on the city that she was leaving behind and she dies instantly and is turned into a pillar of salt. That's a really confronting passage. So many of us are dying because we keep looking back at the good old days. The good, oh, I remember when it was, it was better there. It was better in the old country. It was better when we were in South Africa. We had people that made dinner for us. 
It was better when we were there. We had better houses in the old country. I'm telling you, if it was better somewhere else, I, I just couldn't agree with you. I love Australia. I'm so grateful for where God has brought me. And it's cost me everything. It cost me my mom and dad. cost me my sisters. cost me all my friends. I gave up everything too. And I cannot keep looking back. I got to keep looking forward because now look at what God's given me. Paula was not in America. Therefore, Judah, Joel, Jemiah, and Yana were not in America. You, you, God's gift to me, were not in America. What God has given me in my future is so much greater than anything I've ever given up. It's so important that we see it like this. We had dinner with some of our South African friends the other night, and, and our kids at like 9 o'clock at night were like, Hey, we want to go down to the local basketball court and play basketball. And we said yes. And as our children waltzed off into play basketball, I remember saying to my friend, Clinton, I said, mate, you can never do that in the old country. Imagine, like, like the freedom that we have now in our country is so great. I, I wouldn't do that in America, not where I lived. And, and so we've got to keep looking ahead at the greater things. Stop looking at everything. And I'm not picking on South Africans, please. I, I just, I relate to that because I know what I've given up. But sometimes we look so much at what we've lost. Maybe you're here and you've lost people out of your life. Good. They're not going where you're going. That, uh, sometimes we, we, we pine for friends or relationships or business partners. If they're not in your life now, God saw fit that you didn't need them to go where you're supposed to go next. It's so important that we keep living like that. Here's the fourth one, and I invite the worship team to come. We need to give up our dreams. You need to get... This sounds like an oxymoron, but I'm telling you, you got to give up to go up. Some of us have these fixated mindsets on what we're going to do, what our dreams are. I remember being a young man, being quite clever with my words and thinking, you know what? I'm going to go into sales. I want to be a drug dealer. Not that kind of drug dealer. I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, which was the headquarters of Glaxo Smith Klein at the time, which is a pharmaceutical company. And I wanted to sell pharmaceuticals because everybody that I know who sold pharmaceuticals made good money. And I had it in my mind that that was the trajectory for my life until God arrested me and took me so far outside of my comfort zone. And God, I felt God was trying to say, James, your dreams are so little. I dreamed for two children. Any parents out there like that? You guys stayed to the dream. Two children. I've got four. I never thought that I would want four. In fact, if you said to me, hey, at, at 20, 20 years old, you're going to move to Australia, give up everything. You're going to be married to an Aussie girl with four kids and lead a church. I would have said, no, thank you. No, thanks. That's not in my dreams. That's not in my wheelhouse. That's not in my desires. Whatever I would have chosen in my other life, I'm telling you, it's so far down here, it's not even funny. 
Following God's dream for my life has brought more fulfillment and more joy and more life than I ever could have imagined. In Jeremiah, the Lord speaks and he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Come on, you might feel like there's calamity and evil in your life. Well, that's not God. That's the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not have thoughts of calamity or evil in your life. He has thoughts of peace to give you a future and a hope. If God's brought you to Australia, I'm telling you, He was saving you from the sinking Titanic, from wherever you were from. If you are out of a marriage now or whatever, you got to see yourself as God was setting me free to move forward into the greater things that God has in my life. If you had a business deal go bad or you're not working at your job anymore, God has a different plan. Let go of the disappointment and start to dream again according to His greater dreams for your life. We need to get our hopes up again. We need to start to believe the Lord for the greater things. He gives us future and hope. Some of us are scared to live with without getting our hopes up. Oh, I've done that before, mate. It didn't work out. Limited. Limited. How many times did Thomas Edison try to make the light bulb before it actually worked? I don't actually know the answer to that, but it's a lot. Come on. Don't give up. Then he says, and then you'll call on me. And you'll go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Do you know, it's funny. Because I think most of us in this room really do want God's plan for our life. But do you want him with your whole heart? Or do you just want him with most of your heart? Are there areas of your life that you've held back, you've reserved back? I'll, I'll chase you with most of my life. I'm challenged by that because I have areas of my life that I'm constantly going, all right, mate, let that go. Give that up. I gotta, I'm going up. I got to give that up. Last year, God told me to um, give up my role in the Australian Christian churches. If you don't know, our church is one of um, about 1,300 churches in Australia that are connected to the Australian Christian churches. And I was the regional leader over the Brisbane North region which means I was the leader over 42 churches. And it was quite a cool role. I uh, felt very honored. It was such a special uh, privilege to be able to, to hold that responsibility. And the Lord spoke to me. You need to give it up. And I don't even know if I fully understand why I had to give it up. I, I don't have an answer to that. But I knew that I needed to relinquish that title and that that opportunity because God has something different and I've stepped out in faith and I don't have the answer some of you God might call you to give up certain things some of you need to give up alcohol you can't go up until you give up alcohol some of you need to get their things in our lives according to our flesh that are that actually hold us back sin you cannot step into the greater things with that in your life. We need to keep going on that journey with the Lord. We've got mindsets. Come on, would you stand to your feet?
In Psalm chapter 51, we have David's um, psalm of repentance. And in that psalm, he, he prays, Search my heart, O Lord, and see if there's any unclean thing in me. Help me find it. Get it out of my life. I, I actually think that so many of us live limited because we're living according to what we know. Have you ever said something like, Well, I'm doing the best I can, mate. Leave me alone. I'm doing the best I can. Can I tell you that for me, doing the best I can is my biggest problem. I'm, I, am doing the best I can. That's all me-centric. I'm being the best husband I know how. Yeah, limited. I'm trying to be the best dad I know how to be. I'm trying to make the most money I know how to make. Yes, because we approach our lives from our own limited understanding. And you're hitting the ceiling because you can't break through to the greater things. And so David prays, God, search me. You know me better than I know myself. God, where are the limitations? Where are the unclean things in my life? Help me to identify them and then break them off my life so that me and my family can run into the greater things that you have for us, Lord. That's a prayer that I would challenge you to pray often. God, what is holding me back? God, what are the limitations on my life? And then once he reveals them to you, you have, an op you have a choice. Am I going to give it up to go up or am I quite content to stay in the wilderness? Am I going to give up comfort to go up into the promise? Am I going to give up some of my stinking thinking? Maybe I need to give up a friend. Maybe you have a friend in your life that's just, man, that person's not going where you're going. But you go and have beers with them every afternoon after work. And I'm telling you, that right there is, is a great way to live small. Come on, would you lift your hands just for a moment? Holy Spirit, you know us better than we know ourselves. You already know our thoughts. You already know, God, how, how we think. You know our stories. You know where we've come from. You know the context of our past. You know our disappointments. You know our shame. You know our pain. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to search us and reveal to us the limitations that we're living under. And then we need your help. We need your help because we're not actually strong enough to go out and fix ourselves. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and reveal and break down whatever those blockages are. Come on, just take a moment. What would he say to you? What, what, is, what are the limits on your life? What are the limits that you have put on your own life? Maybe it's your, your, your mouth. You're just filled with negativity. Maybe there's so much hurt from a failed relationship. It's actually holding you back. Maybe you're complacent. You've just gotten stale and stagnant and you just said, oh, it's easier to camp here than apprehend the promised land. Holy Spirit, we, 
We, we want to listen to your voice, Lord. Come on, maybe, maybe you've got an addiction in your life that you need to let that go. That is ruining your life. God's not ashamed of you. You just need to give it over to him. He's, he's intimately acquainted with all your ways. He knows your sins. He knows your thoughts. So you might as well be honest with him and give it to him. Come on, right now, would you just, just under your breath, just start to say, God, I, I confess, I acknowledge these limit, limiting thoughts, these limiting relationships, whatever the limits are, and I surrender it right now to you, Lord. And I, I declare, I need you to help me to give this up so I can go up into the greater things. I don't know who this relates to, but I just get a picture in my mind right now of a fighting couple. And you've been using your words for so long to describe the poor behavior that you see in your spouse. And, and you keep imprisoning your spouse. You're keeping them stuck in their own prisons because of the words that you're speaking. You, you, you think you're just describing. You think you're calling out their behavior. God, does, God tells us to create with our words. You need to shift from describing bad behavior to start to prophesy the true identity of who, you who your husband or you, your wife is supposed to be. Come on, we do it to our children. Maybe you're here and you're a parent and you're, gee, I, I, I'm actually putting, my words are putting chains on my children. My words are putting limitations on my children. Come on, right now with your own mouth, just say, I break those chains. I break that negativity. I break that off in Jesus' name. Maybe you're putting limitations on your own self by boxing yourself in. Oh, I'm like this. I'm like that. I'm an introvert. I'm, 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 I'm. And we do so much describing ourselves, but we don't actually align ourselves with what God says we are. Right now, I prophesy in the name of Jesus, be free. Be free of every limitation. Be free of every mindset of the devil that is seeking to limit your life. Be free of every physical affliction in Jesus' name. I declare whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus did not die on the cross for you to live some limited, ho-hum life. He died so that you could live the abundant, overflowing life. Come on, some of us in this room, we have a battler's mindset. We have an underdog's mindset. We've, we just have believed that it's harder for us than it is for other people. We've aligned our thinking with victim mindset. Right now, I take authority over every victim mindset. 
I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we do not live according to the limitations put upon us, but we live according to your unlimited measure that you have been poured out. We can now step into your victory. We can step into your greater authority. We can step, God, I, we blow our minds, blow our minds, blow off every limiting mindset. Holy Spirit, brainwash us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to wash our brains and get out every idea that does not fall into alignment with who you are, Lord. And we do, we receive the greater. Even now, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and minister for a moment. But I sense that some of you are being filled with condemnation right now. You're saying things like, oh, I know better than that. Oh, how did I get there? What's wrong with me? I'll tell you right now that that is not the voice of your father. The voice of your father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The voice of your father says, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. You have to understand that the Lord knows that you're on a growth journey. He's not sitting here pointing you out. He's calling you into. He's there's no shame, perfect love, omnibenevolence casts out all fear, for fear involves punishment. I rebuke right now every spirit of condemnation. I rebuke every spirit of fear. I rebuke every limitation of the devil right now. And we receive your grace. Lord, your grace is sufficient for us. Your grace is sufficient for us in our failures, in our inadequacies, in our shortcomings, in all the things that we're not. You are the grace inside of us that is bringing us into the greater. And we bless your name, Lord. And we thank you that you're patient with us and you're kind towards us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Not in my name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, you've got to say it. Amen. Let it be so. Amen. Amen. I, I receive that over my life. I receive that over my life. Amen. Come on. Got to shake off the passive. Step into the greater. You're called to be unlimited. That's, that, that's not just some fancy tagline. That's his word over us. Amen. Huh. When I say amen, I'm not telling, I'm, that, I'm saying that over me. Amen. Yes, Lord. I don't want to live small limited, trapped. Amen. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed by the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we would love for you to join us for Sunday worship.